Hey everyone, Chad here. Welcome to another edition of the Chad Shipley Show, where I bring you interesting, insightful, and entertaining content or people. Today's topic is accountability. It sounds so bland and uh, boring, but I promise we'll get into some interesting stuff here, and it's going to make you think because it's been making me think a lot over the last couple of days. It all started with me watching a guy who now works with a lot of different gym owners. He he basically he's up to, he's their upfront sales engine for them, and he he did like sixty or seventy million dollars in a year working with all these gyms. It's like four thousand a month to bring him on board, and he does a lot of other stuff. He gives you a lot of tips and tactics for how to um, how to really create a high a high ticket gym one that could actually you know generate in the millions of dollars a year and i from everything i've seen he's definitely well worth the money that he charges if you can afford to pay him <laughs> um but he he has a group that he allows you to to be a part of and he sometimes gives these these talks and in these talks he he I think the reason that he's so powerful is he says a lot of things that people already know and he just has a really good way of like articulating them or bringing them to light, you know, which is a lot of what I try to do on this podcast. It's not like I'm teaching people. I'm just giving them a way to, you know, surface it up into the, the top of their mind and think through it. And I articulate it in a way where maybe they, um, you know, they, they like the way that I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it. And he was giving a talk on gyms, and I've talked a little bit about this in the past, but he basically said, like, you know, at the end of the day, all that really matters is the the, the way that you're really going to help people is accountability, and that's why they're coming to you, you know. They could get fitness anywhere in the world. Um, they want the relationship. They want someone to help keep them accountable, and... You know, so I, I started really thinking about that. It makes a lot of sense. We started building it into our fitness programs, and I'll come back to that. But I, you know, like for me, it, I was thinking of it a little bit broader. Like, where is accountability in my life? And when I think about what keeps me accountable, I I have a hard time dis, like distinguishing that between my why, like why am I doing things. And what holds me accountable? And I've come to the conclusion that they're they're one and the same. Um, and you know, some people might think a little bit differently about this, and I'd be interesting to get some different perspectives. But for me, I I you know, if I think back to what is holding me accountable, like at first going to college, you know, I my parents, no one in my family had ever gone to college, my immediate family, and uh, and you know, my parents did everything they could to get me into. A program um and you know i still remember my dad you know mom trying to figure out the application form and it wasn't online you know it's papers they have to fill out and i, I can't even imagine because i have to do things today over the internet and on these simple forms and it drives me crazy i couldn't imagine having to figure out how like they didn't even have a computer so they got to figure out how to get to a computer and then print stuff off and then you know it's crazy that that seems even petty compared to like what people did 20, 30 years ago. Needless to say, they did everything they could to get me into a school. So for me, my accountability right off the bat was like, I wanted to make them proud. Like I didn't want to fail. And I, I still remember like first year, freshman year, I had never, <clears throat> I had drank a beer a couple times in my life, but I, I never liked the taste of beer in high school. It just wasn't for me. And when I got to college my freshman year, 
never like had no interest in really drinking beer. I didn't even know what a fraternity was. I didn't know what a sorority was. It was like I was living under a rock my whole life. I never sent an email. I just got instant messenger. This is 2001. I never had the internet in my house at home. So when I go off to school, I, you know, I now have the internet and I have instant messenger and this is the coolest thing in the world, especially with like meeting chicks. I'm like, man, this is gonna be so much easier to meet girls. I don't have to talk to them face to face. So, you know, freshman year, 2001, and I like, I, I just remember people partying all the time. They're going to like fraternity row and sorority. And I'm like, what, where, how do you guys even know about all this stuff? Like, what is this? What does it mean? And it, I used to just think like, like, what did these, like, I, I can't do that. I need to, I need to like really stay focused. So my parents were a huge driver for me all through college. I just wanted to make them proud. I wanted, I was accountable to them, like, and to myself. I wanted to prove that I could do well at a higher level of education. And I, I did okay. And I graduated and all the good stuff. And then I moved on to consulting, right? And I, I got, you know, I did some internships in college because I wanted to make my parents proud and I wanted to do things that would help me get a job after college. And, you know, those really helped propel me. My cousin, she reviewed my resume and she thought it was good. So she turned it into her consulting company. They scheduled an interview for me out in Radnor, Pennsylvania, six hours away. My dad and I drive there. I get the job and now I'm going into the, the fast paced world of management consulting, which I had zero idea of what that even was at the time. And uh, now it's accountability to, you know, my myself to some extent, because, you know, like I didn't, my dad even, he was worried that he, you know, he kept asking my cousin, like, do you think Chad's really smart enough? My, my cousin's a brilliant person. And she, you know, like anywhere she works, we know is like a really good company. And she was just, she's just super, super smart. And she worked with really, really, really smart people. And this was a global consulting company. And, um, you know, it wasn't, they, they weren't picking people like me. They were going to, to schools like Villanova for, I remember when I was interviewing, there was a guy that was interviewing out of Villanova and he had a suit on that fit just right. And <laughs> when I say that, I mean like, there's a huge difference between a suit that almost fits and a suit that fits just right. And it took me a long time to learn that. But he had a suit on that fit just right. And he's talking about all the consulting companies and how he's going to, you know, um, you know, interview with all of them and figure out which ones have the best benefit package and the 401k. I didn't even know what a 401k was. Like, I'm talking to this guy thinking, what in the hell? But secretly, I knew I had a little bit of an advantage because you know, no matter where you are, there is at least anywhere I've ever been, there is a, you know, like most people respect a humble person that is willing to work hard. And I knew that if I could that have that shine through, that I would be advantageous to someone that thinks that they're going to get a job no matter what. And yada, yada, yada. So, um, a lot of the, a lot of my circumstances, you know, not going to the greatest school and um, not having a family that like t taught me benefits and 401k and um, management consulting and what that even was. And it's not their fault. You know, they, they don't, they just, they didn't, they didn't grow up in that kind of world. That actually became a little bit of an advantage to me. Um, it was my silver lining, and now I talk to people all the time and say, look for silver linings because there's always silver linings. So um, I, you know, I end up 
getting that job and I, I'm accountable now to myself, right? Um, trying to prove that I can live in this world and that I can do this. And money had a piece of it, you know, like in consulting, you can make pretty good money. And I felt like right off the bat, I was, I was making, you know, some, some decent money and I wanted to see how far I could go. Like if I could really climb that ladder and, uh, and let me turn off my computer here, <laughs> climb that ladder and do everything that I can to to really get to the the high levels of making good money, um, and and so that's what that's what that was my accountability. And then I left consulting, and I still remember like every single person I worked with right off the bat in the job that I went to, I was I was so driven to impress them, which was different than them being like my boss or someone that I was working with that I wanted to speak highly of me. I just had this drive to impress people. I don't know why, but that that was kind of like that was my accountability. That was my why. I just wanted to be above like the bar. And I think it was because maybe I, you know, I learned so much in consulting that I felt like I had a I had a lot that I could give back and everything that I worked on, I just wanted to I wanted to do it times 10. And that that was a little bit of the consulting, you know, realm of the world like we, you know, consultants get paid a lot of money. And it's because they they go ten times above and beyond. You know, in some cases, I know, you know not all consultants are like this, but um, the goal was to deliver ten times the value, right? So that you're worth more. And I, I just had that as my mantra. So that was my accountability. So you know, now that I've left that and I'm 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 running my own business, <laughs> the question is, what keeps you accountable, right? And it, this is funny because. If I think about all the time that I spent and wasted, you know, like I used to think as I sit at my desk, even like a year ago, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm thinking like if I sat at my own desk at home for this long every day working on my own problems, like things that I wanted to do for myself to make money, I bet you I could figure some stuff out, right? The problem with that is that you start to lose accountability because as much as you might not think, like I never thought that having a boss and, you know, them telling me what time to show up and leave, like that, when that goes away, you realize that that actually was a little bit of a big factor, right? Because now you don't have someone looking over your shoulder. It doesn't matter if you get up or not to anyone else, right? Like you are in control of your own destiny. So if you you know, need to put in the work, then you have to put in the work. There's like, you know, like there's no days of getting too drunk and being hung over and calling off the next day, right? Like you have to be in complete control of your fate. So accountability changes a little bit, but what I found myself doing over the last two months is looking at a photo, have it on my desk, and it's it's a picture of like myself and Katie and Ella and it it was taken right before we went out on a boat when we were in Panama City and we we had an amazing day on a boat and it's funny because it was one of those pictures that like they they ask you if you want one and you're like well uh <laughs> should i do it it's like $25 you know and you don't want to spend the money at the time but then it's the picture that you like hold on to for the rest of your life I have two like this, actually. I have another one from an amusement park. And I just love these. I love both of those pictures so much. And I'm so glad that I just spent the $25 or whatever it was. And I have this picture on my desk. And I keep thinking about, like, that. that is ultimately my why. That is what holds me accountable. I want 
financial freedom to be able to spend so much time like that, like with my family out on boats, checking out islands. And like, I know a lot of people might listen to this and say, yeah, that's like, but who, who really can do that? You know, you have to work a job and maybe you take a vacation here and there, but I, I don't know. It took me a long time to think through that. And I'm not going to convince you on a podcast of the way that like you can kind of get around that type of thinking and open up doors for yourself. And, you know, I had, I had a lot of hard work along the way and I had a lot of opportunity along the way. Um, but I, 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 I come from the camp that if you, if you do work hard, um, and you, you continue to do everything you can to learn, grow and expand, you will have doors open up for you, right? And if you have that big thinking, and I've done podcasts on this, and I'm reading the book, Thinking Grow Rich right now. So you don't have to listen to me, but buy that book. But for me, that is my major driver, right? This accountability piece. And it's so it's so funny because I look at areas in my life where I don't do well, and it's because I don't have a great why. I don't have this major I, like accountability. I mean, it, over the last year, I I had switched the you know like I spent so much of my time previously like I got into running and my why was I wanted to prove stuff to myself mentally like I wanted to strengthen myself mentally not not physically I was running because I wanted to like well I mean physical was a little bit of it but more so like I learned that running was a huge way for me to strengthen my mind because I hated running more than more than you could possibly imagine it was one thing that I just, I still remember. And it, it, it still helps me mentally because I think about waking up in the like night or, you know, being real late at night in the cold. I, I got home from a ski trip one time at like 11 o'clock at night. And I went and ran this hill called FedEx Hill and it's a half mile up and a half mile back down. And it's straight up. It's a pretty steep hill. I can't, I can't believe I did stuff like that, you know, and I woke up one day before work and ran a half marathon before I even started work that day. So that kind of stuff, like when I look back and I'm like, man, if you could do that, I remember like just grinding and the pain. If you can do that, you can do anything. So like the the accountability at that point in time was strengthening myself mentally so that I could put myself in a situation where no matter what I was doing, I could I could persevere and I could get through it. And and now like this business that I'm running, you know, it's it's challenging. Um, you know, even even with the the whole business model like i you know it's a balance i gave people really 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 affordable pricing right off the bat to help build a, a founding member base and you know the reality is that you can't you can't sustain on that that so you have to you have to raise your prices you have to get a lot more members in you have to offer a lot more programs so it's it's a very challenging um venture that i'm on but you know i've been, i've spent so much time over the last two months instead of focusing on being shut down, how do we pivot? How do we create an online presence? And then not only for our members, how do I create an online presence that I can then monetize some way, somehow? So actually build a six-week boot camp. It's virtual. You can actually do it at your on your own. Like you don't even have to have us be a part of it. Um, that's the cheaper version. And it's because we're not there to hold you accountable. And this is what it all ties back to, right? So like now I'm learning that the way I can incre increase prices is when we build programs that have us 
play the role of accountability. And it's interesting, right? Because like it, it makes sense. Like we can't just do that for everyone. You know, obviously when people come to the gym, I have a relationship with, with them. I push them. I try to motivate them. But I can't for every single person, you know, check in on them daily. How are you doing? Like when you when you have a, a, a gym that gets 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, up to 100, 200 members, like our goal, my goal is 300 members. When you get to those kind of numbers, you can't like literally have accountability for every single person. And, and a lot of them, they just they're not convinced that they want that or need that yet. So, you know, obviously you can hire more coaches and that kind of stuff. And it's just, a, it's a scaling problem. Like you have to have to have so many members before you can add in more coaches, obviously, and that kind of stuff. So you have to figure out the balance. But the point is accountability is a huge piece. It is huge. And when, when, when you have someone that you know is paying attention to what you're doing, trying to work out three days a week, like, or four days or whatever it is, your program that they they build for you. Like we we have a certified personal trainer. She strategically designs the workouts. Boom. Now you know that you're getting a good workout. We're gonna teach you proper form and techniques. So boom, you know that you're not doing something that's gonna hurt yourself, right? And nutrition, like we give you the nutrition education so you at least have that. But all the knowledge in the world is nothing if you don't act on it. And for a lot of people, it is hard to push through that why, right? Because they, they've they come to a, a point where they just have accepted the way things are and who they are, and it's easier to accept that than it is to push through the discomfort. Through the discomfort is where you ultimately find fulfillment. There's a can't there's a quote that I love. I think it's Joseph Campbell that says, or he got credited for it, but um yeah, I think I think I think it was him that actually did say it. But he uh he said that the cave that you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. So think about that. The cave that you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. And to me, like I can think of so many that was running for a long time, right? I hated running. That was my cave. I didn't want to go into it. And then I I venture into the dark cave, into the unknown. And guess what? On the other side of that cave is it's it's the treasure that I that I was seeking. It was me becoming stronger mentally. And there's another quote, quote like life happens at the end of your comfort zone. And that's because if you don't have fuel to dump on your fire, like you just stay in this mediocre, comfortable life, right? But when you when you drop yourself down off the ladder, you know, it's funny, I, I talk about, it's hard to talk about it over the podcast here, but I talk about like these three levels. So if you think of like level one is the bottom, level two is the middle, and level three is the top, you know, level one are the people that are suffering. That's the uh, Rocky Balboa, you know, uh, Apollo Creed brings him into the, the gym and like Rocky three and, and it's when Rocky is now like the champion of the world and he's got the suit on, he's got the fluffy hair. He's not like Rocky Balboa from the streets anymore. And he's, he's lost something. He's lost his edge. And Apollo brings him into a gym and he says, look, Rocky, look at them. Look at the way that they're looking at you. They have the eye of the tiger, man. That's what you had. That's the way that you looked at me. That's why you beat me. 
you need to get that back. You need to find that eye of the tiger. And what happened? You know, Rocky went from being at the bottom, you know, willing to fight anyone, willing to prove himself, willing to, like, take punches, get beat up. Like, he's just this, this dumb, you know, guy that got crapped on his whole life and would do anything he could and, you know, fight anyone he, <laughs> he could. And and then he, he, he uses that. That's his fuel. And he gets to a, a part where in life where – you know, he thinks he got everything that he ever wanted, and now he gets comfortable. And the reality is that, like, if you really want to stay, you know, above mediocrity, you gotta, you gotta keep going back into the shit. You gotta find that fuel. And David Goggins talks about this. You know, like he climbed this ladder, and he's like, every time I climbed the ladder, I jumped back off the ladder because I don't know if he said it like that, but his point was, you know, you gotta keep putting yourself back at the bottom. And uh, and and that's just like I, I use the analogy mountains like, you know, you get to the top of the mountain, but it's the journey up the mountain that, that really makes it all worthwhile. So you got to seek discomfort. you got to seek pain. But what does that really mean? Well, it means just what I said. Like there's people that have accepted the way that they look, the way that they, you know, like their lifestyle is, their happiness levels, their energy levels, because it's that's easier for them. It's easier for them to accept that. Like they've ran out of the fuel that that would have fired them up, and and they they now are just at a point where it that pain of going back through that is just they it, they think it's too much, right? But add on someone to help keep you accountable, and someone to give you a support system that is like no other, and you are gonna find out that. You can do some amazing things. You have some deep power within. And the reality is like there's, I mean, you got to have the right tools for the job, right? Like I, I've talked about this before, but if you if you are trying to build a house and you only have a hammer, it's going to take you a long time. You're going to struggle a lot and the quality of that house is going to suck. But if someone comes to you and says, look, I'm going to give you blueprints and architects and engineers and tape measures and saws and everything else, you're going to be like, you're going to be able to build the house a lot faster. It's going to be a lot better quality and you're not going to struggle anywhere near as much. So tools do matter. You know, when you give people the nutrition education, you give them the, the programming and you give them, the, you know, that's a lot easier than someone tying up, tying up a pair of shoes and just heading out the front door. I say it's a lot easier, meaning like it's, it's mechanically better because now you have a system that you don't have to like, you don't have to create in your mind. You don't have to think through all of that stuff. Like, just leverage what's there. The real difficulty that you're trying to push through is you getting your ass into the program and keeping your ass into the program. That's where the rubber hits the road. But you don't need to be the person that thinks up the design. I mean, I did this. I screwed up for myself. You know, like when I decided to run a marathon, I hurt myself. Because I didn't put myself into the right program. I didn't understand the right mechanics. And I didn't leverage what a lot of great people out there like had already figured out. There's, you know, how many people have ran marathons that are great runners and that have developed a training plan for how to run a marathon. You think I paid attention to any of them? No, because I had this ego just saying, like, you just gotta do it, you just gotta do it, you gotta do it. And, you know, for me, it was more so about the mental. So I wasn't trying to run a fast marathon, you know, I wasn't trying to, you know, make sure that at mile eight, I was, you know, back on, you know, it, that wasn't my big driver. It was just mental every day. I, I, it was hard for me to put on my shoes and run out the door. So 
I just had to do that. But, you know, now I'm, I'm doing something that I've always wanted to do. Like I, you know, I've always gotten decent enough shape where I look okay, but I've never gotten my body to be really strong, build muscle. that's going to give me shape of the, the style of body that I, you know, I've always dreamed of having. I mean, it sounds kind of like vain, but I, 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 you know, I think it's just, I, I would like to really look good, you know, like I, 30, I don't even know how old I am now, 36, 37. And I'm at a point where, you know, I, I'd like to have muscles and six packs and, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, this time around, I'm going to follow a program. I'm going to follow my own program. Um, it's my program from a business perspective, but you know, Maddie, she's the trainer. She's going to develop or she does develop, um, you know, core cardio and strength conditioning. And I'm, I'm going to follow it. Cause I want to, I want to try to actually, you know, build, uh, and it's, I, I have done the workouts a lot, but it's been more of staying in shape type of working out, not focused attention on developing muscle, um, which is what I'm going to put some emphasis behind for myself personally, for other people, you know, it might be trying to lose a couple pounds or just feel better energy wise, whatever. And, you know, I, I've been thinking so much about this boot camp that we have because I, I think a lot of people, um, you know, like, I don't know. I, I ever, everyone tells me they like boot camps, and I, I know why because for the same reason that I love them. But, you know, I, I do feel like they can, they can come off as gimmicky sometimes, right? You pay, a, you know, a lower price to get into a boot camp, and then they try to upsell you these like huge monthly memberships, or the opposite, you pay a huge ticket to get into the boot camp, and then you, you get such amazing results that you have to sign up after that. Whatever, you know, like I get it. That's all business. It makes sense. But like I don't – what I fear is that like that starts to diminish the reality that boot camps can be super awesome. Um, and I think it's because it's a it's a short-term commitment. It's not like, okay, I'm going to change my life January 1st. I'm going to do a year worth of working out, right? And – that's hard. <laughs> That's hard with anything. I heard someone talk once that said, you know, I, I create a, um, instead of creating a resolution every year or multiple resolutions, I create a resolution every month and I try it for that month. And if I don't like it, um, I just stop. And if I do like, if it's a habit that I find to be very valuable, I keep it right. So it could be like, stop swearing for a month, stop drinking, stop smoking, whatever. Um, start working out. And that is a lot easier to commit to and then reevaluate at the end of the month. So that ties like perfectly into the concept of a boot camp, right? It's a shorter term commitment. It's very focused energy and effort. We're going to jumpstart you. And then by the end, you feel really good. You're, you've changed your habits. Um, and now you have a, a really good like foundation to keep building on. But that's where it becomes really important. Like it, it is the building of a good foundation. Even if you're in great shape, you can use the the boot camp to to have a really focused six weeks. I think where people, you know, get a little misled is that like you're gonna lose twenty or thirty pounds in six weeks. I need to ask, you know, maybe I'll have Andrew Wade, the dietitian here in Pittsburgh, back on the show, and we have Maddie. She's our nutritional coach, so. You know, I could talk with her a little bit about this. I don't want to play doctor over the internet, but I think if you're losing 20, 30, 40 pounds in six weeks, you might be doing it in a way that is not sustainable. You know, you could probably do a crash diet. Um, 
Like, I, I guess it, it obviously depends on who you are and all kind of different factors. Um, but, you know, a lot of it is probably going to be water weight. And then you'll kind of hit a plateau and you could definitely like do massive calorie deficit and 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 probably shred a lot of weight. But I, you know, for me, what I'm what I hear a lot from the people that I trust when they know about this kind of information, it's, you know, yes, you got to stop overeating. Yes, you got to stop eating like super bad foods, but like don't have such a negative connotation to it. We don't want to do massive calorie deficits. We want to do whole eating, like eat whole foods, eat good foods, foods that are going to fuel you. And then as you start to have a more active lifestyle and you're not overeating, you're not eating over, you know, if you're, if your resting metabolic rate is 1400 calories a day, meaning if you eat more than that, you're going to probably start to put on weight. And if you consistently eat less than that, you're going to lose weight, right? That's the whole like calorie deficit. If you eat 300 less calories than what you burn in a day, day on day on day on day, then in theory, you're going to lose weight. You know, you watch the show Survivor. I'm binge watching it now on quarantine. And those guys are eating like rice. And what it, I mean, the one girl lost, she did lose like a, an insane amount of weight, 20 or 30 pounds in 39 days. But I mean, think about that. Like it, uh, she's eating rice <laughs> like every day. I, that can't be a healthy lifestyle, right? So I think of it more as the goal is to eat really whole foods, healthy foods, stay away from the sodas because those things have calories in them and that you're, 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 you're sucking up all your calorie consumption with crap. You know, like that's not going to fill you up. If you drink a soda, how many calories does a soda have in it or a pop? Hope wherever you're from, it don't matter. And you drink that and now you've just, you've, you used all those calories that were in that drink and it's not going to fill you up. If anything, it might make you hungrier. So now what do you do? You, you know, you, you got to eat more and more and more like, and, and now that calorie goes up over your count and you, you know, you're doing that consistently, you're going to start to put on weight. So it becomes a real, a real problem. So what's better to do, find some healthy whole foods that you can eat throughout the day, try to stay under that calorie limit, start to enact a healthy lifestyle. And now you got a good foundation that you can build on. Obviously there's people with, you know, hormonal imbalances and all kinds of things that need to be taken into consideration and you absolutely need to be working with a dietitian. I recommend Andrew Wade or his company case specific nutrition. But you know, nutritional coaches can help a, a massive amount of the people that are out there like Maddie because just teaching these these type of these principles. So, you know, we don't want to kill people in 6 weeks with a crash diet or putting them on shakes or whatever. I want to give people whole healthy food and uh and and so like in a six week time frame you can really build a foundation and and then now you start you, you you use that as like the driver for everything else um because you'll start to feel better you have more confidence you have more self-esteem it's everything right and so the question is like okay why not why not do it i don't know i don't know the answer i don't know why people won't do it but Here's how we make it awesome. We keep you accountable. And it's huge. Like we we have a mechanism that will help, you know, track and keep you wanting to track what you're doing for an entire six week program. And, you know, some of you might be listening and thinking this is a sales pitch. I guess it is now a little bit of a sales pitch. But uh, you know, if you're not we have a virtual um we have all the the virtual B camp that we built, all the on demand workouts. 
You don't even have to come into the gym. But if you are in the area and you're listening to this, even if you can come into the gym two or three times a week, like this is going to be an awesome program that I, uh, I think, I think people will get a lot of value out of. So, um, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about accountability. I think we all have to, no matter what we're doing, think about why we're doing it. And it's got to be bigger than like a paycheck. It's got to be bigger than a boss. Like it's got to be like, you know, you want your kid to go to the certain school district, so you're going to work your butt off or you want, you know, you just want a better life for your kids. You want, you want better for yourself. You want to live a more healthy lifestyle. You want more vitality. You want more everything, right? Um, just, just a higher quality of life. So what's going to, what's going to be your driver for that? What's, uh, what's going to help you keep accountable and start building those daily habits. So if anything else, you know, you take away from this episode, think of, uh, think of your why, think of accountability and think of micro challenges. You know, that's another thing we build into the boot camp. Not only is it a short time frame, it's micro challenges. So we're putting out these very small challenges every week, nutrition and fitness. And uh, they, they give you something to look forward to and, and, and focus on and a challenge for you to for you to try. And even the virtual, we have them for that too. So uh, that's it, guys. Hope you enjoy these episodes. Keep stopping back. Thanks. Thanks.